Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Uh, thanks, sponsors Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, CompC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Upper Deck, Panini, and Tops. This was the uh, final part of the conversation with JP uh, Cohen, a memory lane founder, known auction and private sale group in the hobby. 21 years. This was more questions JP had for me. We batted a few things back and forth, and then the, he had a few extra minutes. It kind of almost like outtakes when we just keep going a little bit after we think we've recorded the episode, and then there's some more stuff that I think is worth uh, sharing with listeners who want to know more about the sports cards and some of the people that are important in this industry like JP. So thanks, JP, and here it is. What made you start the first price guide, and was it challenging? Was it well-received? And yes, it was challenging. Uh, yes, it was well received. I think what people don't realize, I have a certain personality type where I don't mind constructive criticism at all. In fact, it was well received because the criticism was pretty balanced. Uh, for the most part, people would say, this looks pretty good. You're a little low on this guy or you're a little high on this guy. And if the criticism is balanced, if everybody says, oh, this is ridiculous, it's way too low, then you've messed up. But I was a, a very active dealer and collector when I got started. And I set that all aside. And I had relationships in the 70s with all the key dealers, pretty much. So I could hit the ground running. But then after you hire more staff, I got kicked upstairs. That wasn't as much fun. But uh, now I'm retired. Uh, I've sold. And so I'm free agent. I can do what I want to do. And I've got a bunch of cards that I'm pretty slowly selling. But yeah. I just, I love cards. I'm a lifer and I don't really like to sell cards. I always liked buying cards. I never thought about this quite this way, but since I was a collector and a dealer, which most of the key people were in the industry in the early mid seventies, I had to do a retail price guide, but I never wanted to buy retail, <laughs> but I knew what the retail prices were, which I sold at when I had tables at shows, but I love buying wholesale and you still could in those days. I think it's hard to buy wholesale now because the big collectors out there know to go to people like you mm-hmm. to harvest their collection and uh, that you're going to get your fee, but you're going to get a higher price for them than they can get for themselves in many cases. But uh, there wasn't much going on like that back uh, almost 50 years ago to where a lot of the action, wasn't even card stores, just mainly shows. I think the seventies were the decade of the shows. In the eighties, you start getting more card shops and a lot more shows too. But in the 70s, there were key shows in every city. And I hit not all of them, but a, a whole bunch of them. And I was single in those days and I was young. But yeah, we got some criticism, but it wasn't like, hey, we reject this. Go away. Because I was one of them. I, I was in the industry. And the contributors they had were a who's who. And then the other thing I think I'll get posthumous great credit for is I hired some amazing people. Sure. We've really carried on the legacy. And so I did it myself for a while and just get, like you, I suppose, you just get started and then you, you gets bigger and then you got to get help, but you got to get good teammates on the same page and have the sure. same ethics and all that. And I, for the most part, we really did that. So that was a, a great ride that I had, but uh, time to let somebody else steer the ship. Were you involved with creating the grading standard for Beckett? No, still uh, in my regime. Yeah. In fact, I was the slowpoke. I was the one that said, in abundance of caution, there may be some who consider it a conflict of interest. In reality, we were grading cards in order to price cards when our analysts were going around to the shows. When I was going around to the shows, you couldn't note the price of a card without noting whether it was mint or poor. Right. 
And so we already were doing it, but not to the fine, the half point grades. So we noodled on it for a couple of years. And then I was the last one. I was a goalie. They moving the ball down the field. And I was was saying, I don't want to do a Me Too service. I don't want this to be a copycat. PSA was really getting traction. SGC was already going. And I said, we have to have some innovations. We, We want to be different and better. And I think we were different and better, but we were not more popular than PSA. PSA had the registry. And we also tried to balance our appeal to collectors and dealers. And I think PSA had a very strong relationship with a lot of the dealers. And they were just PSA dealers and PSA only. Right. And BGS get millions of cards backlogged too. So they're doing fine. I fully embraced it as it got going. Because so I realized it was my very best guys recommending we need to do this. Mm-hmm. The market is there. We can bring something to it. We weren't going to be Avis to a PSA's Hertz. We were going to be Tesla. We're going to bring a new type of vehicle to it. What year did the the first grading for Beckett start? I think 99. Okay. So I started. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't start real fast, but we could see that we had a winner. Sure. But how big a winner just between us guys. If you were number two, would that make you happy? Or would you like to be number one? Again, in the auction space, it's hard. You can be number one in some respect and number two in some respect and all that stuff. But in grading, we are not number one in volume. Sure. We're, I'm sure we're number two in volume. And it's not like it sticks in my crotch. It's just what it is. It's not a winner-take-all category, but they have such an entrenched registry lead. If we lower our prices to get more volume, that blows up in your face as well. So yeah, it's the registry a very strong hold on yeah. the submissions. They, I built memory lanes on people building sets. Exactly. Trying to have their ego fill with being number one or Number one in any one, category. And they'll grade cards or they'll buy an eight to a nine or a nine to a 10 or whatever it may be. And that was PSA's recipe to growth and success. Obviously, they did a heck of a job to, to where they're at today. And they are uh, the big part of the industry when it comes to grading. However, there is an audience for for, for Beckett and SGC. It's just... Hats off to PSA. They've made a lot of money for themselves, but they made a lot of money for BGS and SGC too. They have a backlog and there always has to be a yin and yang. Like I said, but with BGS being in that not number one position, it just means you got to try harder and you got to improve your customer service and improve your product. I don't know that there's any rating necessarily of the auction houses, but you can't have a gimmick to be number one. You just got to keep providing great service. And 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 once again, you mentioned it. A company like ours, we're not trying to be number one. We're just trying to be our best. And our best is customer-driven, enjoying what we do. That's real important. And putting out a respectful catalog and reputation is real important. And that's how we built it. Are we we ever going to compete with some of these real big auction houses uh, on the same level? No. We look at ourselves more of a boutique-type auction. We sell a lot of high-end stuff. We're well-known in that space. And we're real proud of where, where we're at today. And if, if it stops there as far as growth, then we're successful and we're very happy with it. You're still collecting though, huh? You still Not too, uh, not too much. Now, basically, I have too many cards to display the cards that I have. I, I grew up in the generation where more cards was better. These boxes of cards that nobody's ever going to ask for, they just need to be sold. Not given away, but sold if it's the right person. That's my challenge. So I'm not really on the acquiring side too much. And I'm a slow seller. I'd like to sell the best stuff last. 
Sure, that's sure. the stuff that gives me the best enjoyment. My auction friends don't like this. We could get the best stuff first. We could really do a great job for you. So I know you could, but I, I want to be able to look at my cards occasionally. Sure. One thing that happened from selling my company and retiring is I got to catch up on my sleep, which is <laughs> not to be underrated. And I, I got to actually be with the cards more. I spend more time with the actual cards now than I did before I sold the company. Because I, I, I was an executive. I, I had people that did that stuff. And so now if I want to sort cards, I'm not hiring anybody, although Rich Klein will come over once a month and we'll slog through some boxes and record some podcasts. But I want to be more hands-on. I'm a hobbyist. Sure. That's great. No, I, listen, it's in your cloth, as you said. You're cut from that cloth. And I, I get it. I'm a collector too. I drifted away from card collecting and got into more memorabilia. I just felt that I tried to collect sets and collect stuff that my customers were looking for, but yeah. it made it difficult to, to be on the other side. I, I felt if I kept collecting cards that I'll never make any money because <laughs> I want to keep everything. What you're talking about where you keep the nicer stuff, but but I've enjoyed, I'm still a collector and I collect a lot of memorabilia and I'm into game use stuff. I really like Babe Ruth artifacts and autographs and letters. I have a, a nice little Babe Ruth collection. So I'm very active in collecting and I'm very active in collecting cards with my customers. So I, I really get off on helping someone fulfill their want list, whatever that may be. It could be a $10 card or it could be expensive cards. I, I enjoy that. So if you are trying to complete some sets, uh, let me know. I'd love to to help you. I'm not. <laughs> I'm <laughs> divesting. But for example, in the Babe Ruth stuff, I, I'm looking through a box the other day and I have all these boxes opened one up. And there's some type one Babe Ruth photos in there. There you go. Okay. That's, I hadn't looked at that stuff for 20 years. And it's in a, it's, it's not in a box called Babe Ruth type one old photos. And, and there's not tons of them, but there's enough of them there that I probably could get a new car. Right. <laughs> I already have a new car. So <laughs> I don't need to sell them. And that's a category that's taken off. It um, is. I collect photos. That's, that's they good. take up too much room to display. And my appeal in my wall of fame is to, for collectors and non-collectors and old and new and and everything. So do I sell it because I haven't looked at it in 20 years? Because now I looked at it last month and I think, hey, it's cool that I have that. And if somebody came over and said, hey, do you have any of that stuff? I'd whip it out and say, yeah, it's right in this box. It's The market on that has definitely got a lot of attention. So I'm sure that's piqued your... Yeah, um, now it has for sure. I, mean, I, for, I forgot I had it. Yeah, that's it's not pitiful. a bad thing to forget you had. I know, but that's pitiful. I mean, I know. A true well, collector knows what he has, but well, stuff to, I bought 40 years ago. To a certain extent. Then I go into my vault sometimes and I go, of course, I refresh my memory. It's not like I don't, did, didn't know I had it. I just put it behind me that it was so long ago that I haven't looked at it in years. And then refresh. But yeah, the whole photo market is so different today than it was five years ago. And, and I'm sure in a year from now, it'll be much different too. It's growing. And PSA has also played a big part in authenticating and, and designating, we'll call it the type ones or the original photos. And that's been an attraction to the big collectors out there to get that. And and as the, the auction results have shown, there was an auction that had an early Babe Ruth type one original photo brought $80,000. That's amazing. I think I have that photo. But well, I there you go. <laughs> Maybe you can buy more than one new but it's, car. But it's not rectangular. It's uh, in worse condition. Okay. Condition images are worth money. But they grade them and they put them in a holder. It's, as you It's been ripped unprofessionally. Let's put it that way. Uh-huh. In fact, I didn't buy it. It came in a collection I bought in 1974 or something. Well, that's the beauty of it. So you, know, you, you bought it at the time in a collection. And I didn't even collect them, but I just put it in a box. 
for the most part, I, I love collecting. I've been a collector. That's why I got in this business and I get to do what I love. And you seem to get to do what you love. You started in the Absolutely. 70s and here you are. You're still, even though you're retired, still playing with your baseball cards. I and have a side gig. It's self-sustaining, but I'm not spending much on it. I'll buy a, a little collection. But actually, the counter instinctual thing is that I now buy newer cards because those are the ones I was deprived of handling. I already have all the vintage cards I want, pretty much. The cards of the last 20 years, they have an allure to me because I haven't seen them in some time. So buying some of those and going through them. Because I've always been a long tail guy. I want to know the whole hobby, all the sports. The man in the house who comes. 